Hey, 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 everyone. It's Dr. Tamara Bedford with Your Caring Docs, where we are bringing you all the health and wellness info so that you can be empowered and make some great decisions, right? But we have beautiful and awesome section called our Your Caring Docs, Docs Who Care, where we bring doctors from all over the world and they drop their gems on all the health and wellness info that's out there. The best thing is that you will know where to find them and you'll be able to find them on our Your Caring Docs page, right? Today, we have a special, special guest. So today we have Dr. Diana Londonio. So Dr. Londonio went to medical school at David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. Then she did her residency in urology at Kaiser Permanente in LA. She's currently a practicing urologist in the LA area. Now, let me tell you why this is so awesome and why I'm so excited to have her on. So Dr. Londonio is one of 10% of women who are urologists. And out of that, one, I guess you say maybe 0.5% of them are Latinas. Now we have approximately 13,000 plus urologists in the US and 0.5% of them are Latinas, right? So Dr. Londonio, we're gonna be getting all up in the business of what a urologist is. She's going to go over a little bit of stuff about the male and the female. So I know you males listening. Yeah, you're going to want to know how we can lift that front end up and keep it up. Boom. And we're going to talk about as much as we can about some risk factors and also some of the ways that she plans on helping all our other Latinas or Latinos who wants to increase the diversity in urology, right? So before we get further, let's bring in Dr. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you? Thank you, Dr. Brevard. That's a beautiful introduction. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That's very kind. Hey, all the best for the best, you know? So first of all, I use this big term. Oh, she is a urologist. And I know a lot of people are like, okay, what? She takes care of the brain, a neurologist. And I'm like, no, not a neurologist. She is a urologist. So let's explain to all of our audience what a urologist is. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, most people, you know, don't even know where their kidneys are when you ask them on the street, why are your kidneys and they show you like your lower back and they're actually mm -hmm. up high by your ribs you mm -hmm. know up here so even that knowing where your anatomy is it's very hard for a lot of people we just are not really taught that but yeah mm -hmm. a urologist is a surgeon that um you know not only does surgery but also treats you in a lot of conditions with medications or different treatments anywhere where really the urine passes mm -hmm. um and so if you start at the kidney where the urine is made, it goes down these little tubes called the ureters, like a really hard word to say, mm -hmm. especially if you have an accent. Uh, and <laughs> your bladder, the bladder is where you store your pee, and then it comes out. So anywhere where the urine passes through or it goes through the bladder, your prostate, which we'll talk about, penis, testicles, all the genitals for both men and women, we take care of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there is a little overlap, obviously, with that gynecologist, um, you know, and with other specialties in some ways, and with a nephrologist. A nephrologist right. is a doctor of the kidneys, but they deal with more medical reasons and dialysis and other things that we don't deal with, but we're complementary. So 
Mm-hmm. We're a little bit of like the plumbers. Some people describe us as that. We help. Oh, that would. <laughs> something is blocked in the tubing and the piping. You know, uh, either something in the you know, in the tubing is not working right. It's clogged, right? So maybe mm-hmm. a keystone is blocking. Uh, we take care of unblocking it. Uh, we also like if it's overflowing the toilet. Like now you have incontinence or you just have too much urine in there, too much water in the toilet. We've helped mm-hmm. fix that. So, you know, some people find it easier to think as plumbing. Yeah, we're that, but we actually do a lot of stuff, a lot of preventative things, which we'll talk about later, prostate cancer prevention, uh, urinary tract uh, infection prevention. Um, so a lot of things that we prevent uh, as well as treat uh, both medically and surgically, like just like kidney stones, we can treat with surgery, but we can prevent it and maintain that you don't get them with a lot of different things. So uh, it's really fun. And I also want to, you know, not uh, forget something called the adrenals. They're little glands on top of the kidney. We also treat those. I mean, there's no urine made there, but they're right on top of the kidneys. We also take care of that. But um, really, all the stuff. Uh, all the stuff with the plumbing. <laughs> and all the fun organs, like all the genitals people get excited about. So we do Absolutely. So now we're going to just kind of jump in. Now that you talked about the plumbing and we're yeah. talking about the overflow, we're going to just talk about because of the fact that um, Dr. Londonia's specialty, it helps to treat surgically male and female, we're gonna to try to touch a little bit on the male and the female so that you can all feel empowered, right? You understand if you're, if you're on this section of the sexes or if you're on the other side, then you'll understand. So we're gonna first start a little bit on the female, right? So we're talking about the overflowing plumbing, ah, which we're gonna call <laughs> urinary incontinence. It's like this little nasty secret that happened with yeah. women where you're laughing and there's a little bit of squirt. That's what we're calling about the overflow plumbing, right? You're coughing and there's a little squirt. (laughs) So it happens there. So let's try to find ways. How is it that we can normalize that in women? Let them know like what's happening and how it can be corrected. Yeah, it's so it's so interesting how you present that because that's absolutely true. There's a lot of stigma to that. And actually, it's really, really common. So women 18, which to me seems like mind-blowing, 18 years old, to 65, 25% of women are going to have some type of leakage. Um, and it takes on average about seven years for a woman to come to a doctor to tell them about the problem um, from the time that this starts. And 50 to 70% of women don't even go to the doctor to get it, this, like any discussion about it or any treatment because there's a social stigma about it or there's a stigma like, well, that's just how life is and I just deal with it and I just wear, you know, like either a diaper or pads or whatever and that's just what it is. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of stigma to it. Um, and obviously it's quality of life versus, you know, cancer or something like that. But it's just as important because if you can't leave your house and go on vacation uh, or do stuff because you're leaking or you're worried about the smell or something, it, it affects you and your mental health, uh, which is so important. So absolutely, there's no reason to discredit just because it's not cancer, because um, it's just as important. So, um, you know, it's just really hard to even know how prevalent it is because people underreport it or we underdiagnose it because we don't even ask about it. Mm-hmm. What I think it's important to know is just the definition. Well, what is incontinence? Incontinence means you're leaking. And there's really two types of leakage, which mm-hmm. makes a difference because they're treated very differently. Mm-hmm. So you can have something called stress incontinence. That means you're coughing, sneezing, lifting, and you leak. Um, mm-hmm. And you can have something called urgent incontinence. That means that 
you're sitting down and then you get the urge to go and you as you start to go um it just you can't hold and it comes out and again they're treated very differently the cause of them is differently the, the, the cause of it is, is different and so it's important to know which one you have and many times you have both um but many times it's important to know which one bothers you more. Like if you're really active and you go to the gym, well, obviously maybe that's more important that in that case because you don't want to leak at the gym. Uh, and the other one's okay because you can just go frequently to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. um, so it just depends which one is more bothersome. Do you want any treatment? And you don't need to have any treatment if you're not bothered by it. Absolutely. Um, that's okay too. But just some people, you know, just want to make sure, is it normal? Uh, should I do something about it? And, and for some people is, yeah, we don't have to do anything. Um, but if it's bothersome to you, then yeah, it is bothersome to me because I want to help you. Absolutely. And you know, that's such a like startling statistic between the ages of 18 to 16, 25, so a quarter of us. Yeah. are experiencing it and it's probably more as we mentioned because we've had the oh that just happens you know oh uh, if you've had kids uh just expect yeah. it you yeah. know it's a part of life and it's this little secret that no one talks about because there's an embarrassment aspect to it so we're letting you know that if this is happening to you and it's affecting your quality of life it does not have to talk to a urologist and they can help you or a gyno urologist and they can help you with that now that was our little tidbit for our females we're moving over to the males because i know a lot of you males who are probably listening or our females who are helping you know our significant others or brothers cousins uncles grandpa let's let them know what's going on right so we're going to talk about prostate cancer this is something that happens within a couple of the different communities, some higher than others. So Dr. Londonia, tell us all about what we can, you know, put it in this small visit <laughs> about prostate cancer. Yeah, well, prostate cancer is really interesting because uh, it's actually very common. It's the, mm -hmm. the second most common cancer uh, that, um, you know, men can have. And the second cause of cancer death, actually, so it's really common. One in eight men will have prostate cancer. Mm. What's really interesting about it that people have a hard time wrapping their uh, mind about it is they tell me all the time, well, I feel fine. I have no symptoms. I don't pee at night. There's no blood coming out of anywhere. So if there's no blood, people don't worry. But when there's blood, people worry. But absolutely. That, that could be a symptom of, yes, of course, prostate cancer, but a million other reasons. But the, the key is it's asymptomatic. You have no symptoms in most of them because more than like 90% are just local in the prostate. They don't get diagnosed when they're outside the prostate. So they really will have no symptoms mm. um, as we think about it, like how, you know, it'd be another cancer where you may have a stomach pain or you're coughing blood or, you know, something is obviously different or there's a growth. You're not gonna know that. And your prostate is inside of you. So you can't- And it's deep. <laughs> and you can't yourself as a person uh, touch it or feel it or know where it really truly is. So, you know, you don't know where it is and it really is deep inside. Mm -hmm. It's right below your um, bladder. And I kind of think of it like as a, you know, like a caramel apple with a stick, you know, those little sticks. So uh, your caramel apple is your prostate right. and the stick is 
the tube where you pee out of your urethra. So mm-hmm. you kind of think of it like that, and it's just deep inside your pelvis. That's where it is. You're kind of really sitting on it when you ride a bike. It's mm-hmm. right where um, you know the skin is on your. You sit, sit there right deep to that. So you're not gonna find it. Mm-hmm. Really, the doctor needs to kind of find and feel for it. Um, and that's kind of important about like screening because right. you're not gonna feel anything. You don't know something is wrong, um, and you can certainly have prostate cancer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when should um, the male consider to start getting screened for prostate cancer? Yeah, this is really important. The main thing is, well, what's the risk factor? And so the main risk of you getting prostate cancer is one age, you know, the older you are, the higher the risk. And most people are diagnosed around 65. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the higher there. So I'll talk about when we start, but also uh, family history. And it's not like your uncle, you know, uh, Bob, three generations down. It really is your father or any brothers, if they were diagnosed with prostate cancer, um, say at like 74, you know, then, then that's a little bit higher risk. If they're diagnosed at 95, you know, it's not as high of a risk, but really the younger, because right. again, the older you are, the higher chance that you're going to have prostate cancer and you may die with it, not of it, but we'll talk about that. So um, age, uh, family history, and also uh, race. So African-Americans have a higher risk. So if I have a patient that's African-American, you really are, you know, leaving your antennas a little higher on, you know, mm-hmm. worrying about when to start. So most people, you know, they don't have those risk factors. The recommendations for our guidelines nationally is 55. Mm-hmm. Um, we definitely recommend against it uh, below 40, but at 55, you're going to start. And usually you stop around 70 unless you have uh, life expectancy more than 10, 15 years. Um, so that's kind of when you start, when you stop. Uh, and how do you do it? Most people are like, oh my God, I don't want to go. What's going to happen? Yes, that's usually the, oh, oh, what do you mean? Uh, what are you trying to do to me? <laughs> that- so the good news is, is a blood test. You don't even have to fast. You just go to the lab and get a blood test. That's called a PSA, mm-hmm. prostate-specific antigen. It's just PSA. And what it is is what it means. It's specific to the prostate. And sometimes if you have a bigger prostate, it can make more. But all I really truly care about this PSA, is it going to show me if there's a risk for cancer? The rest of the stuff we can deal with. But mm-hmm. it's just the best screening tool we have. And like an exam. And how's exam? Well, yeah. You have to, the doctor has to put their little finger and the good news is women have small fingers. So that's a great news. Okay. (laughs) Go find those women urologists with small fingers, but really we just have to put our finger and feel it. Just like if it would feel if there was something on your shoulder, like, do we feel something hard? Because if you feel something hard and your PSA blood test is high, the higher it is. And the the chance that you feel something, those two put you at high risk that you're going to find prostate cancer. So Mm -hmm. it's not just one or the other because it could truly miss it. And if you have a blood test and no exam, when you're going to then try to diagnose it, which is done with a biopsy, you want to know where to target the biopsy by knowing where you felt it. It's not, Mm -hmm. if not, it's kind of like flying blind. You want to know where you felt it because I'm going to focus in that area and in the other areas where you normally find it. So it's really important. And I wanna know how big is your prostate, just as a baseline, because mm-hmm. it can help me with maybe symptoms you're having from just the enlarged prostate. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it gives you a lot of information. If we didn't have to do it, believe me, I wouldn't wanna do it either. Like it's not fun for me, but it's really important. Um, it lasts approximately how many seconds? Yeah, it's like about two seconds. I mean, it's like three seconds, really just get an idea of like, 
what's the size, what's going on and be done with it and we get out and we just move on because uh, it's really important. And yeah, like, again, we'll find a woman that has smaller fingers. I mean, I'm kind of joking about it, but you know, nobody wants it, but we got to do it. Just like a woman doesn't want the internal exam or pap, it's uncomfortable, but we do it because it saves lives and it matters. And especially like Latino communities, African uh, communities, they're just a higher risk. That's just what it is. And so, um, just kind of getting over it. Like you just got to get down or you got to go to the dentist. Nobody likes it. You know, I don't like it, but I got to do it. Right. So just doing it, get it over with. It'll take two seconds. We'll be done. And, and it, it saves lives. It saves lives. Let, can we reiterate it for those in the back? <laughs> it saves lives. If there was another way, like I'll do it. I'll be the first one to say, let's do the other way, but there isn't right now. So once we have a better testing tool, let's do that on all day, every day. Mm -hmm. Other than that, like there's no shame. It's just your like prostate, you know, it's not, it's not a big deal. We just got to get it done, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, so, so important because most of these are found locally because we didn't have symptoms. So there was nothing to feel for or know about. Mm -hmm. um, and the good news is prostate cancer, you know, the, the, it has actually the highest survival rate of all cancers, right? That's the best news. Absolutely. So let's find it early. Let's find it when we can treat it. It's not outside the body. And um, in many of these can be something you're going to die with and not die of and that's the good news but we gotta know about that it's there mm -hmm. and when then we make those decisions like well is this you know the more aggressive prostate cancer or this is more of something less aggressive that we still have to know about but we may not need to treat it right away at all you know so it's just really pretty important yeah wonderful and that's important to state too like you know it's one of those cancers that if it can be found, they can determine is this an aggressive one or yeah. is this one less aggressive. And the survival rate of the prostate cancer is the highest of all the cancers. So this is why Dr. Londonio is saying that let's just get it over with two seconds. <laughs> let's figure it out and see what's going on before we're finding it when it has moved outside. Because while it's in the prostate, they're less likely that you're going to have any symptoms. Think of the candy apple with the stick going through it. Nobody's sitting there worrying about it, right? So you get tested, you get screened, you find out the risk factors, you find out what type, and you know we try to make sure that you are your healthiest for the longest, right? So that's how we do it. Now we know that screening for prostate cancer, we said that with age, um, you know, the risk factors, if you are not within the high risk category, that um, with age, you more, more likely will end up with prostate cancer, the older you are as a male. Now, another thing that males are really worried about is erectile dysfunction. Woo, man, I wonder why. <laughs> so let's talk about what are some of the most common causes that you as a urologist see for erectile dys dysfunction and what are the most common preventable causes of erectile dysfunction yeah these are great questions because it sort of follows kind of like prostate cancer age is the biggest risk factor the older you get the higher risk of you know having problems with an erection and problems with erection means that you cannot you know uh, maintain or sustain as desired by you um and so you may not be able to maintain it or penetrate you know with the erection but 
age is the number one risk. That's just what it is. And the other ones are really like medical problems. So the medical problems like diabetes or high cholesterol, high blood pressure, those affect directions. And why um, this is really important and it's really interesting because the nerves and the arteries that go to the penis are one of the smallest ones in the body. And actually they're smaller than even the heart. Um, and even erectile dysfunction is actually a symptom of like heart disease for the future. Because if it's gonna plug up the arteries going to your penis, that and then you don't get blood flow to the penis for an erection, uh, it's gonna do that in the next like smallest uh, arteries, which is in the heart. And then you're gonna have a heart attack. So mm -hmm. erectile dysfunction, it's kind of like, hey, hey, hello. Like something's not going right. And a little why? signal, right? It's a symptom, is a signal like, hello, hello. And usually erections are really important. So people pay attention like, whoa, something's going on. Mm -hmm. But people don't worry about their heart attack until it happens. But when it's the erection, it's really like, well, I need to do something about it. Right. Um, and how it works, it, again, it's kind of plumbing again. Mm -hmm. If your cholesterol is high, then the cholesterol deposits in the arteries and it plugs the arteries like the tunnel. So if there's nothing going in the tunnel or blood going through these arteries, you're not going to get an erection because that erection is blood fills the penis. You have mm -hmm. your erection, you have sex, what are you going to do? And then when you have your climax, then it goes down and mm -hmm. the blood gets out of the penis. So if you're not getting the blood in, you're not going to have an erection. And that's because now it's plugged up with cholesterol. Mm -hmm. So that's really important to prevent it. Now, sugars. Well, why do sugars matter? Well, we always hear about like, check your feet, check your eyes, because it affects those organs, but it affects your penis. Mm -hmm. How? Well, the nerves that control erections, if they're damaged, just like your feet are damaged, uh, they're not going to work. The signal's going to get plugged up. It's sort of like those rock candies, you know, mm -hmm. like it gets all full of like speckled candy right. um, or sugar. Instead of like the signal going easily through, you know, because it's is smooth now it's all plugged up with sugar and so like oh it can't go through yeah so, so it's the sugar being high it's going to affect your penis so um you know if you care about your penis you know you got to care about the sugar even people are like oh whatever i don't care about sugar it's actually really important mm -hmm. if you care about your erection if you don't care about your erections you know eat away like don't worry about the sugar it doesn't matter but if you care about it or you're going to care about it when you're 45 and then your penis is not really working that well, well, mm -hmm. probably today is the day to start thinking like, what am I going to do about it? So preventable, uh, really important because it also, again, it's a symptom of future heart disease. Um, mm -hmm. That matters because you're going to have a heart attack and stroke. And with that, you can't even have sex if you're like in a wheelchair usually. Mm -hmm. So you've got to think about why is that important? Yeah, so super important. And again, you the good news is you have the power to make those changes. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, of course, we can give you medications and this, but if you have the mental awareness, well, maybe I should not eat all those foods that are not good for my sugar levels. Maybe I'm going to go for a walk and make those changes today. Um, then you're eventually going to get off the medications. You're going to have a better health. You're going to feel better. And if you feel better, your mind is better. It's all together. We can't separate the mind from the body. Absolutely. Wow. See, look at that. Just that small issue. Well, I guess I won't call it a small issue because it's for the male. It's a big issue if you're unable to have the erection. But it's a signal for future medical issues, which is so important. So, you know, if you're unable to have that erection and you are having 
like say you know that you're diabetic or you have high blood pressure or you're having cholesterol and you're unable to have that erection, that's a signal of future other more complicated things that can happen, such as in the heart. So if you're at the point, if you're 25, you're 30, you've been diagnosed with diabetes, it's not as simple as, ah, I don't really care if I, my sugars are high. No, in keeping that in mind, if you damage, once you damage those nerves. Yeah, they're reversible. I mean, these are, some of these are irreversible. Some of it you can like definitely help it and fix it for sure. But some of it, once you damage it, like you can't bring it back. And then we're gonna talk about treatments, which of course, that's what we do as urologists. Of course, mm -hmm. I'm gonna give you all the treatments and oh, hey, all of them, there's a lot of them, but, if we can prevent, I mean, I'd much rather prevent uh, for a patient any day, whether I get problems with erections or kidney stones or infections or whatever it is, I'd rather prevent than mm -hmm. treat it as much as I get joy treating it. I mean, prevention is huge. And Ooh, yeah, yeah, I can just give you that, but I, and I don't have to talk to you about the causes or why it matters. Of course, I can just give you the pill or the, you know, the mm -hmm. surgery, but you know, if I really, I think, care of like what your long-term health is, I'm going to make that little conversation of why it matters. And I do, because I think it's so important. And, and sometimes you just don't know, nobody tells you. So if you don't have awareness, it's not your fault. Like people never explained it to you. Um, so it's not blaming like, well, well, yeah, you didn't do it. No, nobody told you, nobody explained it. So right. we've got to educate, we've got to tell people why it matters. Um, and then they can choose to take control of their like daily activities, life or not. And that's your choice, but you understand yeah. why you should do yeah, why it matters, you know, if it matters to you. Again, if it doesn't matter that you don't have erections, nope, no big deal. Like keep mm -hmm. on that sugar level 400 every day, fantastic. But truly, if you care about it, this is why, you know, and not just because of the sugar and the damage of other organs, um, but you're just going to feel better if you're not like walking around a sugar 400 every day, you'll feel better. You're just going to feel better every day, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. And you know, it's so important as you mentioned about educating and informing and letting our patients know what is possible. Number one, if you do not adhere to a treatment plan or what is possible if you do not understand what's going on within your body. Now, we've talked also about the, um, in the minority community, there are some higher incidences of some of the diseases that we've mentioned, such as the um, prostate cancer, and also with diabetes, hypertension, it's yeah. also very, very high in the minority community. Right. What's also important is that I know that there are a lot of people who are in minority communities who want to see doctors who look like them. Yeah. And I know that this is also a, an aspect that's very important to you. So yeah. out there, we've talked about it. I mean, you're a virologist, 0.5%. That is like mind boggling. Right. And I know that you're out there really trying to do your part in helping to increase, especially within the Latin community, to increase the amount of Latin um, urologists that's out there. So let us know, what are some of the things that you have done so far? Now, I know you're doing some mentoring, so let us know some of the success stories that you've had being a mentor and um, helping some of our Latin um, urologists, or even if it's females or male, come into the field. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's like multifactorial. I mean, I think for me, it's always been 
yeah, of course, mentoring is really important, whether people reach out to you and you never think you'll be a mentor or you, you know, you reach out to others to see if they would be interested in any help and help them through their journey or even getting them into um, the programs. But I also think um, it's like community is really important for, again, kind of going back to education. Like when I was a, a resident at Kaiser in Los Angeles, I mean, I used to do a lot of educational, um, you know, uh, talks, uh, you know, on the um, Telemundo, Univision, all these local channels to really explain really what we're doing today um, mm -hmm. on the TV stations, because it's really important that we understand the problems of community. Um, mm -hmm. And yes, of course, sometimes if there's a language barrier, well, it's going to be hard to, in 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever your appointment is, figure out what the problem is and then do all the education, all that um, with a language barrier. Of course, that's hard. Um, but regardless, we've got to teach our communities of what's going on, why it matters, mm -hmm. educate about diet, educate about why exercise matters, educate about the consequences of all these problems. Um, because even going back to incontinence, yeah, age, but weight is so important. And the heavier you are, the higher risk of incontinence. So it all relates like mm -hmm. with weight and with diet. I mean, it's all coming from the same thing. So um, you know, a lot of the health uh, or illness is due to like really what we do as put it, what we're putting in our mouth or what we're doing with activity leading to like a whole lot of diseases. Um, and if you change how you're thinking about it, then you will change like the outcome and your results um, mm -hmm. down the road, right? So, so it's really important. So I think education is, is key. You know, we really have to do that. I think, yeah, mentoring uh, other, you know, physicians, uh, whether they're already urologists or even before they get to decide, I think is really important. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, those things are, are key, uh, you know, just about equity and, you know, because th there is in a lot of our communities, not, equ you know, equity, equality, um, you know, and, and so, yeah, how are they going to find you if you're one of, you know, you're 65, one of 65 of the whole country that are Latina uh, and a woman is, you're not going to find that maybe once in your life, of course. Mm -hmm. So, but that's okay. And even if you're not the Latina, Latino or African-American, um, you know, urologist or doctor, it's okay. But then you also have to ask, um, and I know our communities are hesitant um, to mm -hmm. ask the doctor, to like question the doctor, but we've got to ask if you're, Doctor is not informing you. You gotta ask because you gotta be an advocate for your own well-being, your health. If you don't understand, then you gotta ask um, because it's really, really important. And obviously, doctors have different styles. Some are more educators than others. Some are more prescribers. Some are more, you know, surgical technicians, whatever. But but we gotta start empowering our communities to ask um, because there's nothing worse to get a pill that you don't know why you're taking it. Why are you taking this medication? Like, you don't know. So if you don't know, you're not going to take not it. Not going to take it. Absolutely. And <laughs> I call <laughs> very often. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, I have 35 pills. Well, like, I don't know what they're for. No, you got to know. Otherwise, we're not taking the pill because... Or, or half bottles of antibiotics from two years ago that yeah. pop because they're not really sure why. Why do we have it? And we take two antibiotics at the same time. We don't even know why, because we got confused. No, we can no longer be confused. We can no longer not know why we're doing stuff. It's not mm -hmm. a doctor's job to just tell you. It's your job to know why too. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying you have to be like educated to know all the stuff in medicine, but all you have to say is like, why are you, why are we doing this? What is this for? Mm -hmm. You know, what do you think? What's happening? Just why? I mean, why is like a 
such a powerful question that like, you know, toddlers do all day. And like, we lose that as we get into adulthood. We stop questioning why, why are we doing this? Why is this happening? But just ask what, what is this for? Like, why do I have to take this? And maybe it's because, because of this, because if you take this, you'll be able to pee better. Or if you take this, it's gonna decrease your frequency. And then when you understand as a patient, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I definitely wanna do that, or I do not wanna do that. Mm -hmm. um, but we gotta know why, right? Why are we Absolutely. why are we recommending to you to to do things so you can be empowered with knowledge and be like, Absolutely, I'm on board, or like, oh no, I'm not doing that. Um, or like, what are the side effects? I mean, I just wanna know before I start something, because then you're come back constipated and dry mouth, you don't know why. Well, because that medication can cause that. So you gotta know, hopefully we're telling you, right? Mm -hmm. you know, we're doing our part. Yeah, uh, you also said patient, we gotta, you know, be a little bit more empowered that it's okay to ask, you know. Yeah, uh, and you know, one of the techniques too that I've um also I think I even made a little PDF for patients to to really just have a, a list um of what medications you're on mm -hmm. and a list at the bottom for notes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at the end of your visit, what are some of the notes that um you what did you start? You know, this is what the doctor is going to prescribe a medication to help with blank. And mm. then also so that you can have those notes for when you go back. Hey, mm. you started, we started a medication for A. However, I'm still having A, you know, or this, uh, these are what I'm noticing. Constipation in my mouth is dry. Is this a side effect of this medication? Mm -hmm. Or because this will all help you with the quality of life, right? If yeah. you understand, you know, then you can incorporate this. Is this something that you can tolerate with yeah. your quality of life? And one of the things that we also, as doctors, also want to let patients know is that there's usually more than one tablet for this particular issue. So if yeah. you're having the quality of life is not helping with one, just let us know. <laughs> Yeah, like things are not set in stone once you do so. I mean, for my, for urology is a little bit easier because a lot of things are like, well, it's going to help you pee better or have a better flow. So we can try it. Uh, but if you're doing fine and I don't see anything worrisome, well, we actually don't have to start anything ever. But if you tell me, you know what, I really want my flow to be better because it takes me a long time to pee. Then I'm like, well, this is what I have. Um, and this is how it works. Absolutely. And these are the side effects. And let's try it. And, you know, it, it, we can try it for like two weeks. And like, if it's awesome, you come back like whoa i feel so much better fantastic mm -hmm. let's keep it but you say like you know what? i didn't do anything let's stop it like why are we taking medications that you don't need um i'm a big believer of like less is best and like just you know but if you need it we gotta do it but if you don't need it and you're happy without it like let's not give you a thousand medications like absolutely we just get, we just get confused we like too many it's like costly i mean why yeah, so yeah. i'm not like gonna prescribe stuff that you don't want or need but if you need it we definitely have to talk about you need it. Um, and obviously you can choose not to, but um, I'm going to strongly recommend, this is why I want you to do it. Not because mm -hmm. I get pleasure from prescribing stuff. It's just because you're going to like have bad outcomes mm -hmm. if you don't do that. Um, and again, you can still choose, you know, it's your choices, but I just want to educate you. I want to uh, make sure you understand why. And then you make your, it's like free will, you make your choice, but um, just like an informed choice, right? And one thing I love about you. So you're such a patient advocate champion. I mean, she is all about 
of course, ensuring that the patient is informed, they're empowered, and that you make that decision from a point of understanding, right? It's not a just here, take this and go sit somewhere. No, understand why you're doing it, why you're um, taking this medication. If you want to go ahead, you know, based on our treatment plan, yeah. if you can tolerate not having it, like we said, less is best, you know, so Dr. Longonio is not going to just add medications just to do so. Yeah. So now that we have, we have like gone all into the male and the female. So now let's get all and find out what does Dr. Longonio do for fun? What do you do for fun? <laughs> Well, I, I have two kids, so I have a five and a three-year-old, so they could be busy, but I have an amazing husband that, you know, stays home and definitely does a huge part of, you know, um, helping and being the best dad and do that. But definitely for fun, you know, we do stuff with my kids. We, they both know how to ride their bikes, so we go bike riding. We all go, like, on hikes with my kids. We'll go to the pool. We'll, we will go to the beach. They love the beach, so we'll do that. Um, I like to run um, because it helps me clear my mind. Mm -hmm. um, helps me sort of meditate and I listen to, you know, incredible podcasts during that time and it's my alone time. So for me, I do that. Um, I recently started writing. So I write a lot of, you know, articles of things I feel passionate about, um, you know, and I, they've been published in like Kevin MD and different sources about things that are, you know, not really neurological, but it's about, you know, life and humanity and ego and hierarchy and, you know, compassion and, you know, things that, should be sort of obvious in medicine, but somehow sometimes get a little bit lost in the shuffle of being prescribers and, you know, uh, technical, uh, you know, technicians and surgery. And, and even though we started, you know, going to, into medicine for that, we sort of lose it sometimes. And mm -hmm. I think it's so important that it's about people. Like if it's not about people, then we just be robots. So right. you know, a robot could probably, you know, do it and yeah, I give you the pail and you come back, but it's about humanity. It's about the person in front of you. It's about having that connection, you know, really being present for the person in front of you, who's not just a symptom or a surgery to be done. Um, you know, it, it's actually a person and what is going on in their life, whether they're husband just died or they just had surgery on their toe really affects what's going to happen of how I take care of you. Mm -hmm. um, and I know some people feel uncomfortable kind of diving into that, but it's so important because you know, I think patients sometimes want to know, you know, they yeah. want their pa their doctors to probably know a little bit more because yeah. I, you know, in incorporating some of these, like I've had um, patients in the ER who are coming in and you know, coming in for symptoms, like saying it's like, wow, well, and then you find out that, you know, medically you've checked everything out and it's fine. Mm -hmm. And then you just hear this one statement, oh, you know, my loved one just died two yeah. months ago in the same hospital. Yeah. Or, and and you know that that changes the whole parameter, right? So it, it it's it's knowing a little bit more incorporating it it really does help with the art of medicine not yeah. just the science of it but the the key you said was like listening right so if you're not present you're just gonna skip right through it because you're just not present right you're just like bah, 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 which is difficult you have all the stuff you have to type you have like 300 patients you're running behind you know you're stressed you're burned out so you have all the other stuff too and then you have to be present right which mm -hmm. is it's a little bit of an impossible task right like okay we got to know all the the signs we got to know the knowledge we got to know what to do and 
and also do all the notes in time and run in time and you know but, <laughs> but then you gotta be present right That's but but thing. if you can be present i think it's so powerful because yeah Patients give you the whole story if you listen. They tell you exactly what's wrong with them. They tell mm -hmm. you what is bothering them, not what bothers you as a doctor, but like what is bothering them. Absolutely. They, That's what we were taught, right? 80% <laughs> of the diagnosis is in the history. Yeah, just like listen, like listen to the people, what they're telling you because they're coming with a problem. So if we're present, if we listen, if we have compassion, if we have humanity and mm -hmm. we can sort of put ourselves in the shoes. Well, like, yeah, my patient is homeless. It's going to be a little hard to manage that catheter, right? Like, so it's not going to be so easy. So yes, I can tell you to put it in, but really, how are we going to do this? So I need to understand that. I need to be aware of that. I need to work with you and find the best alternative solution, but that maybe it's not in the box. Maybe it's not in my manual, but we got to work with you because I want the best for you. Right? So we got to just know that. And I got to know that like, your husband just died and then how, how that's affecting and because you're so stressed from that, mm -hmm. that stress leads to like overactive bladder because your mind is connected to your body organs, which is connected to your bladder. So if your mind is in a stressful, reactive mindset because you're dealing with grief that you haven't resolved or anxiety, it affects your bladder. Mm -hmm. So I can fix your overactive bladder all day, every day. I can give medications, I can do, but if we don't fix your mind as the cause of it, and we just treat it with a symptom, it's not actually gonna be that effective, right? It really isn't. Um, and I see that all day with pelvic pain, uh, testicle pain, you know, all these other symptoms, bladder pain, it all comes from, you know, getting worse by the mind, not, not caused by it all, but with the stress, the anxiety, which, you know, it's an understatement with COVID and everything. I know. But if we don't address that and we don't understand how that's really important, Absolutely. you know, yeah, you're going to get a little better, but it's not going to get that much better because it's just a Band-Aid and we're not dealing with the cause. So it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when we even think about this as we're going to um, like, you know, and we're there are two aspects to what we just mentioned. We have the aspect from us as doctors mm -hmm. and, you know, our fulfillment of helping our patients and trying to do what's right with the time constraint, but also mm -hmm. trying to use some of the compassion and some of the technique that we've learned in school, which a great part of it is listening in mm -hmm. addition. And then also what we mentioned from the patient's perspective, not being afraid to ask, mm -hmm. you know, not being afraid to ask why, so that you can take those medications with confidence, or you can say, well, it's not really bothering me. And I will, you know, choose to not take the medicine at this time. All of this helps to have great doctor-patient relationship, which is what every doctor wants. <laughs> and also, I'm pretty sure what every patient wants, feeling confident in their doctor, feeling comfortable yeah. in it. Yes, my doctor is the best because they helped me with this. And, you know, I'm feeling so much better. As a matter of fact, if you're having anything, go to my doctor because they are doing so, you know, they're such miracle workers. Yeah. So, with all of this, you know, we've covered so much <laughs> in such a short period of time. And, you know, Dr. Londonio, you are a gem. I'm pretty sure that anyone who's in the LA region, if you are having any urological issues, just look her up. Look her up, Dr. Londonio. Let's give her a round of applause for all that she's 
Yes, you are a gem indeed. And I'm pretty sure we probably will be reaching out for you later on to get some more gems and info. Um, can you let us know where can they find you if anyone would love to con connect with you, especially if there's a student out there who is listening and they're like, I would love to be a urologist, but I don't know any female urologists. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, you're absolutely like, I'm, uh, you know, I am active on Twitter and my Twitter handle is just my name, Diana Londoño, L-O-N-D-O-N-O. MS and Mary D as in dog MD. Um, that's Twitter. So you can, you know, message me that way on LinkedIn. If you're on LinkedIn, I'm also very active or you just Google Diana Londoño MD. That's my website. You can go there, learn more about, you know, me, what I do, what I write about, um, and just contact me that way. I'd be happy to definitely connect. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you're thinking about urology, urology, we were talking about it, you know, before the interview, it's really a great specialty um, that people gotta just really know is a little secret because it is, you know, you treat men and women or men only if you want, or women only if you want, you can choose, or you can do a, a, a mix. You can start off with a huge, heavy uh, surgical practice and do big surgeries, like take out the kidneys, or take out the bladder, take out the prostates, or like reconstruct, or you can do more plastics, or you can do kids. Um, there's such a range of stuff you can do. And then as you get maybe older, you wanna do more just clinic, you can do just clinic. Um, and there's so many procedures in the office you can do which are fun. Like you don't have to be in surgery all day. Um, you could do outpatient surgeries and have a full practice doing outpatient surgeries where they don't stay in the hospital for five days. Um, <laughs> and you know, you can have a great quality of life. You could just do procedures in the office, which are fun and um, you know, very helpful for patients. You can do Botox for the blood. I mean, there's so much fun stuff you can do. And you have patients long-term if that's something you like. If you don't, if you just want to take out their appendix and move on, well, that's not probably for you, but you know, have patients that I used to practice in Miami. They would fo they followed me to LA. And they come for the checkups, you know, in LA. Um, and it's like long term relationships. And then I see their wife, and then I see their like you know sister, and I you know I see the men and the woman and the same families. I have some wow. patients I see like four people in the family, you know. Um, so that's just really fun. Uh, again, if you want to prescribe stuff, you can. If you want to do more surgery, you can. I mean, there's such a range, and it's like happy urology. Like right. the cancers that we deal with have sort of like the highest survival rates. Um, a lot of stuff is preventable. Um, and it's like happy, like if you can't pee and I put a Foley and then like you can pee, you're like, yay, like they love Absolutely. you. Absolutely, I've seen like, that. <laughs> yeah, you're like, call the urologist and you're like, boop. And like, it's like, you know, it's, it's just a fun feeling to help people like that. Um, mm -hmm. And also to help your colleagues, like when the ER doctors freaking try it and they're heroic and you're like, yeah, that was a hard one, you know, and it's a hard one for me too, but we got it because I practice in so many different ways. So when you can help a colleague who has tried and obviously like they know their stuff, but like we know our stuff. So it's just collaborative. It's fun. It's like happy. Um, you know, if you have a little sense of humor, it's probably helpful because we can't be that serious all day, yes. you know, dealing with stuff that is, you know, have a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, so we kind of have to like, so if that's kind of your personality, you'll kind of go gravitate towards it, but don't let the factors 
not a lot of women now be a deterrent factor. Like absolutely most of my cheerleaders have been men, um, you know, so like the men are amazing. They're great uh, colleagues. Um, so that's not a deterrent. If you're a minority, who cares if it's 0.5% or if you're black is 0.6%. Like, there's so much room for improvement. That's the good news. So don't let it be like, oh God, don't be like, this is awesome. We're going to make this so much better and you're unique so use that as something to be proud of not something that's going to defeat you um so absolutely like reach out you know if you want to talk about urology what is it how long what happens like super fun wonderful wonderful thank you so much dr london you are a gem oh my gosh <laughs> so much for the invitation i really have appreciated talking to you and you know you're a professional at this so you're amazing too <laughs> No, this was wonderful, wonderful. So everyone, you can find this great interview on our podcast, our yourcaring.podcast, Docs Who Cares. And it also will be available on our YouTube channel and on our website. That's our Your Caring Docs website, which will be up soon. We're revamping it. It's www.urcaringdocs. This great and wonderful interview is also going to be available on our YouTube. And you'll be able to find it on our different social media handles, such as our LinkedIn, our Instagram, our Twitter, and also our ticking and our talking. <laughs> you can find it anywhere. So thank you so much, Dr. Londonia. We are going to say bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.